You are listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I am Carla Redondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4 and now a certified orientation and mobility specialist. I have a vision impairment. I have retinitis pigmentosa and I walk with a white cane. Today's show is a very good one. I found very interesting as I was doing some of the research about the Hogan Archives of New Orleans Music and New Orleans Jazz. And with us today is Melissa Weber, the curator. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for joining us. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, before we begin and get into all the great uh, work and uh, cool stuff that you all have there, first tell all our listeners about you, where you're from, and you know, how you got to this point. Sure, absolutely. Well, I am a native New Orleanian, born and raised here. And uh, the thing about me is that I have always loved New Orleans music and New Orleans culture since I was little. So as a personal hobby, I have been collecting records and music memorabilia, ephemera, uh, from a young age, so my, I have my own personal archives. Um, and also, as a hobby and for volunteering and for fun, I have been a programmer on uh, another radio station, WWOZ Community Radio. I've been there for about 25 years. I started when I was an undergraduate in college and never left. <laughs> so that's that's a little of of my personal, uh, you know, um, interests outside of my professional life, which intersects in so many ways. Okay, so that's great. I, and I know mu- I love music, so I love all kinds of music. And I do a lot of ride shares, so I get to listen to a lot of different types of music that the drivers are listening to. And a lot of it is jazz, a lot of it is old blues. And, and so I get a chance to listen to music that I don't normally listen to. And so that's the cool thing about riding with different people to listening to the different types of music they love. And of course, you know, New Orleans is a melting pot, so people enjoy all kinds of music. Absolutely. You know, the really cool thing that I love to share about New Orleans music is that the innovations that come from New Orleans music making actually are the foundation of all of American popular music. That's very, very powerful. Things like call and response, collective improvisation, polyphonic rhythms, um, all of that comes from New Orleans music culture and is the basis for so much of of what has emanated uh, since literally the late 19th century. So um, I love the history of music, and I get to deal with it every day. That's uh, my fun. Yeah, so now let's get into that history and what you do, and, and tell us about the, uh, the uh, Hogan Archives. Sure. So I am the curator, again, of the Hogan Archive of New Orleans Music and New Orleans Jazz. It is a division of Tulane University Special Collections, and there are other units under Special collections. We call it Tusk for short. There's also the Louisiana Research Collection, Rare Books, University Archives, which are the 
archives of Tulane University and the Southeastern Architectural Archives. So all of us make up Tusk, and we hold archival materials. What are archives? They are permanently valuable materials that reflect people. They are things like photographs, personal papers, business papers, oral histories, audio recordings, video recordings, diaries, correspondence, um, ephemera. What is ephemera? Ephemera are items that are not expected to last a long time, things like party invitations, um, cocktail napkins where someone has written something. So we collect all of these things uh, from centuries to reflect the history of our culture, music and otherwise, and they're available for researchers to utilize. You don't have to be a Tulane University community member. The general public has access to these collections, whether physical in our reading room or digitally with online collections. Awesome. Now, before I forget, let's give your contact information, how to reach you if somebody's interested in more about this. Sure. Uh, let's give that uh, now, and then we'll do it again towards the uh, end of the program in case you don't have a pen or pencil handy if you're listening. Sure thing. Anybody that has questions about accessing Tulane University Special Collections materials can contact research services. And the email address is special collections, that's plural, special collections at tulane.edu. Of course, Tulane is T-U-L-A-N-E. And the phone number is 504-865-5685. Or you can email me directly. And my email address is mweber3. I will spell that M-W-E-B-E-R. The number three at Tulane.edu. All right, awesome. And hopefully we'll start, you know, getting you some more questions and more people interested in your archives with this program. Um, I looked at some of the names of some of the archives, the music, the musicians, and, uh, and they're pretty impressive. So talk about the uh, who you have uh, music or sheet music. Or talk about those big names and some of the names that people may not know. Sure thing. Well. All of our collections are named collections, meaning they are named after uh, the person who either donated them or the person that they represent. N not in all cases will the named collection be a celebrity that someone has heard of, because collections reflect all kinds of things. You know, the average person can donate a collection, and if they collected um, concert flyers from the 1960s, then that is a significant collection. They themselves may not have to be the performer, but their collection is valuable because it reflects history that someone will want to know about for years. But some of, of our named collections uh, include well, one of my favorites, the Allison Minor Papers. Allison Minor was um, one of the co-founding staffers and directors of the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, and she founded the Jazz and Heritage Archive. And we do have her papers and all of her work, not only with Jazz Fest, but as her um, 
work as the manager of many New Orleans bands and artists such as Professor Longhair, the Rebirth Brass Band, and the Wild Magnolias Mardi Gras Indians. And, and her records include a lot of memorabilia, personal papers, um, college essays, uh, calendars, um, audio recordings, all sorts of things. And we also have the papers for Al Hurt, who was uh, the renowned trumpeter. And there are a lot of photographs. There are a lot. We have the menu for his restaurants uh, that he started in, in, I believe, the 1960s. So there are, are named collections for famous people and also for, for the average person. But they are all valuable because they all contain uh, material materials that, quite honestly, we're so thankful that that someone took the time to save them. Now, you had mentioned earlier about some of the materials you have, and it struck me, what's, you said a napkin or, or something, <laughs> what, what's, what is the most, I don't want to say odd or the most unusual uh, collection or piece of material that you have? I mean, a napkin's pretty, pretty, you know, unique. Wow. Um... <laughs> I, quite honestly, I am seeing new things every single day. But we just received a collection and uh, a donation of a new collection, and there are face plaster molds of of, of the artists. So you know that's that's a new one. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, describe to us the difference between archives and a museum. Yes. So archives are different from museums or galleries. It's the most common comment that I get. My friends, they say, I'm going to come and visit the archives and take a look around. And I say, well, it's not quite like that, because if you come to a reading room, you're not going to see anything except tables and chairs and, and our friendly research service associates to greet you at the door. Uh, the difference is that for museums and galleries, items are on display. Items are in cases or on the walls, and they are set up for public display instantly, and they're already pre-chosen and pre-selected uh, to be on view. With archives, because of the rare and valuable and sometimes fragile nature of the materials, everything is housed in closed stacks. All of the materials are set away in proper housing, and uh, they are not available for browsing. No one can come and look up and down the closed stacks. A researcher or a patron will first inquire with our research services team to determine what it is that they are looking for, what they want to see. And our research services team will assist them and pick out boxes or materials that when an appointment is made, the patron will come to the reading room and research services will have the opportunity to pull the boxes or the materials in advance so they're there for the appointment. And then you will be able to access the materials in the reading room at your table. 
uh, during your appointment time. And if you use your entire appointment time and need more time to use the materials, you can come back the next day, but you cannot take them home. Uh, you can't check them out like a circulating library. They stay there, but you are welcome to come back as many times as you need to to continue to access those materials. Now, are there a lot of people that, that do that? I mean, are, is it constantly every day you have appointments or is it, you know, sporadic depending on the research being done by individuals? It really depends. You know, uh, summer is is a busy time because a lot of researchers travel from all over to utilize our collections, our physical collections, in the reading rooms. And when I say reacher, when I say researchers, I'm referring to academic researchers, or sometimes journalists, um, sometimes uh, authors writing books, or, or, or TV consultants. But with that said, archives and access to archives are for everyone. You don't need to have a specific reason or a project to want to see or access anything. You can just want to look at cool stuff. You can just want to listen to cool stuff. You can just want to <laughs> see that it's there or hear that it's there or, or feel that it's there. So archives are for everyone. Oh, okay. That's great. Um, now, if somebody say, just wanted to listen online, do you have a website or part of your website is they're able to listen to some selected items? Absolutely. We do have many digital collections, meaning that they are digitized and available for access on the computer from anywhere in the world, and they do not require a visit to our reading room. And so the digital collections are available via the Tulane University Digital Library. That website is digitallibrary.tulane.edu. Oh, that's awesome. I know I took a look at it uh, during my research the, the past couple of days, and I, I think there's a couple of things that I may you know, want to listen to because history and music, and there's so much rich history in the New Orleans music scene that it's amazing to to see that at fingertips. And I know I know some uh, people that make documentaries, and I know some of this, you know, as you mentioned, TV consultants or people making movies or documentaries. This is something that they can really use and make things more factual. Absolutely. And also for enjoyment, too. Like, I'll, I'll mention a couple of the newest digital collections that can be accessed online, and they consist of audio recordings. So there's the Lorraine Garreau interviews and recordings. Lorraine Garreau was the official biographer from Mahalia Jackson, Mahalia Jackson, the queen of gospel of New Orleans. So these interviews and oral history recordings include Mahalia Jackson herself, celebrities that worked with her, uh, her friends, her band members, and also recordings um, when they toured overseas. They might do a press conference, and Lorraine Garreau was there with her tape recorder recording the actual press conferences. We have all of those available for listening online right now. Uh, there's another new one 
that consists of audio recordings. So special. It's the Vernon Dr. Daddio Winslow broadcast recordings. Dr. Daddio was a pioneering radio DJ in New Orleans, primarily in the 1950s when he broke the color barrier online, excuse me, when he broke the color barrier on radio as being the first African-American radio disc jockey um, to to have a program. And so the digital collection consists of his remotes from local bars and his interviews with music stars like Louis Jordan and um, local celebrities and just the average person on the street and just hearing him on the mic, you know, uh, advertising for Jack's beer. (laughs) It is really, really special. So those are online as well. And radio nowadays is so different than what it used to be. I mean, we hardly have many local you know, DJs or disc jockeys or whatever, you know, you want to call them now. So much of the programming now is just automated and national and not many radio stations have local personalities. And that's the sad thing because, you know, growing up, you listen to certain, you know, personalities on the radio. And and I did see that, you know, he was, you know, one of the biggest names, you know, coming out of local radio in this area. Yeah. And that's why having a collection like this, and not just having it, but having it accessible for everyone to listen to is special because you get to hear that that history that, you know, is not the way things are done anymore. So we have a record of it and also the preservation of that particular collection <laughs> uh, was interesting. Those recordings were originally on 78, 78 discs that were flaking, uh, lacquered discs that were flaking, and they had to be sent to a special vendor for conservation, and they were all preserved, and now you can hear them. And when you listen to the recordings, you'll be able to hear uh, the the surface noise, so oh. <laughs> you know it's real. <laughs> Let's talk about um, donations. Um, do you all take financial donations to support you all? And what if somebody had something that they may want to see if it's worth donating to the archives? Absolutely. You know, um, financial donations allow for the work that goes into processing collections. But I really want everyone to know that I want everyone to think about their own lives as being worthy of, of, uh, of a named archival collection. The items that someone might think is trash, the items that someone may think are trash are actually our treasures. And I had this conversation the other day with uh, the grandson of Danny and Blue Lou Barker, legendary uh, New Orleans jazz and New Orleans music figures. And he had some boxes in his home in Syracuse that represented his grandparents. And he was about to throw them away. I said, don't do that, please. So now we've acquired his collection, which is an accrual to our earlier Danny and Blue Lou Barker collection. So now we, with 
his help, we've made the Danny and Blue Blue Barker collection even larger to represent their entire life of work and also history of New Orleans music culture. With that said, yes, we accept donations. Um, it's a process. It's not like, you know, oh, I have a bag of, of things. I'll come and drop it off. We want anyone interested in donating to contact us, contact me, and then I'll I'll talk you through it. Also, our website has information about the types of things that we do accept, the types of things that we don't accept, and um, we want to make it as easy as possible. But we also want to responsibly manage expectations as well. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, go ahead and give your contact information again in case somebody heard something they really liked about donating or or visiting the archives, or not visiting, but you know, coming in and getting information about maybe viewing some of the uh, materials you have? Absolutely. The website for Tulane University Special Collections is library.tulane.edu slash T-U-S-C. That's short for Tulane University Special Collections. And my email address is mweber3 at tulane.edu. I'll spell that out. M-W-E-B-E-R, the number three, at tulane.edu. And always, our Special Collections Research Services team, email them at specialcollections, plural, at tulane.edu. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to mention before we start winding down the interview? I don't want to make sure you get everything out you want to. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I love to share that we recently underwent a rebranding. So when the archive was founded in 1958, it was originally called the Archive of New Orleans Jazz. And then the name was changed in 1974 to the William Ransom Hogan Jazz Archive after Dr. William Ransom, who was a history professor who, f who helped to fund an oral history uh, Ford Foundation grant. Well, he wrote the proposal that funded an oral history um, grant project that was the beginning of the the archive. And we just changed the name from the Hogan Jazz Archive to this rebranded name, the Hogan Archive of New Orleans Music and New Orleans Jazz, which lets everyone know that we represent not only our beginnings and the source of it all, New Orleans Jazz, but everything that comes from that. Gospel, rhythm and blues, Mardi Gras Indian music, second lines and brass bands, funk, original rock and roll, which comes from New Orleans. All of it is represented at the Hogan Archive. That's awesome. So just a curious question from my part. So my... 1977 program from the band Kiss would not be something <laughs> that you might be interested in. Well, well, you know, that's an interesting question. If there was a local act that opened for them, possibly and probably so. If the concert happened at a local venue, 
Probably so. Okay. That's no. why it's always a conversation. Yeah, I don't remember the opening act, and this was back in Texas, so probably <laughs> oh. not. I'm just just curious. Okay. Um, uh, so now, one final thing. Uh, I usually ask four questions of my guests before we wind things down. They're personal things that I would like to know about the person sitting across from me. What is your favorite movie? <laughs> what is my favorite movie? Oh, my gosh. Well, I love music documentaries. Oh, why am I questioning this? My favorite movie is a music documentary that just came out last year. It is the film Summer of Soul. Oh, yes, yes, oh, yeah. yes, yeah. I, didn't, I, I saw uh, the, uh, the story about it. I haven't yet to see that, but I, that is one I do want to see as well. Highly recommend it. Yes. What is your favorite genre of music? I think we might have an idea. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, you know what? I'm going to say rhythm and blues. Okay. Rhythm and blues. But I love all of it. Okay. I love all of it. But I do know that it all comes from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. What is your go-to thing to relax, to wind down? What is it you do when you're not at work that you do to relax? <laughs> um, either listen to music or sleep. <laughs> <laughs> those are good ones. I, I'm, I'm into both those as well. And the final question, what is something you still want to do? Something that you might have on a bucket list that you still want to do or see? Wow. Something that, something that I still want to do or see. Quite honestly... I love the work that I do, and, it, you know, I'm not just intersecting this, you know, for convenience purposes, but I really want to talk more about, about archives. In my conversations, a lot of people don't know what they are, or they think that it's not for them. They think it is specifically for academic researchers, and I really want to do more outreach uh, around the fact that archives are for everyone, and that everyone's story is important and to rethink throwing away those diaries and rethink throwing away those photo albums and those um, personal notes and papers because 50, 100, 200 years from now, they're going to be so beneficial to someone else who wants to learn about history and what came before. Absolutely. And I just want to let the listeners know, I know you can't see this because it's radio, but during this whole interview, as Melissa was talking, there was always a smile on her face about talking about the work she did. So you can tell how much she enjoys what she does and how it's more than just a job to her. So I just want everybody to know that. So, Melissa, I want to thank you for joining us today. Melissa Weber, the curator for the uh, the Hogan Archives of New Orleans Music and New Orleans Jazz. Thank you so much, Carl. It's been a pleasure and a lot of good information. Hopefully everybody has a chance to check it out. You have been listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I am Carl Arredondo. Thank you for listening. 